This is MFG Monkey. We sit down with industry leaders and innovators to talk about manufacturing business and their journey to success. I am your host, Dustin McMillan, owner and founder of McMillan Co. And today we are joined by Mac and Scott, right? Yep. Yes, yeah. all day today. Yeah, so welcome to uh, the MFG Monkey, guys. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for uh, having us. Yeah, so this is part of the MLP group, uh, Manufacturing Legacy Partners, right? Uh, we had the big group on where we had a bunch of issues, and I think it's something with you guys because we had some more issues today. <laughs> but our IT guy figured it out by shutting everything off and restarting it. So uh, He's brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. That's what he pays for his tattoos with, so... We're, <laughs> we're well, he's got an armful of them, so, so he must be all right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, you guys, uh, we met because of Cynthia, right? Claudia. Claudia. Jeez. Claudia. And then the three of us just kind of hit it off. I met you for breakfast afterwards, and and uh, I, you guys, we just had fun talking about manufacturing. We've been sitting here for 45 minutes talking about everything and I we probably could have just recorded what we were what we were talking about but um, yeah thanks for coming in again you Scott you drove up from Cincinnati how was that it was all right yeah it wasn't you know it's it's a beautiful day out it's good to get out um, the, the good news is I didn't have to go across the bridge right down into Kentucky yeah which uh, I don't think anybody's going to be doing for a month or so now it's, it's why is why is that they they had a big um, Two trucks collided on that Brent Spence Bridge, which is a an over and under yeah, bridge. Yeah. Uh, one had some kind of phosphate stuff on it, big fire, and now they they shut cow. the bridge down. I seventy five north to south. Wow. The we... main corridor in the United States, and it's just shut down. That's, wow. That's the trip to Bourbon Land. Uh, yeah, it is a trip in the lake. Yeah, we go. Yeah. I mean, but it's always a choke point whenever we get on the Cumberland. It's. Uh, we sit there <laughs> for a long time. Well, that, now you'll sit there forever yeah. unless wow. you go around. So. And that just happened today? No, that happened uh, two, three days ago, something like that. And wow. it's still closed. It's going to be closed for almost a month. Wow. They're thinking. While they do tests as to whether you can even get back on the bridge. Yeah, I'm sure all that steel's compromised. Yeah. I mean, big fire, I'm guessing. with 1,500 degrees. Right. You know, it's uh, pretty exciting stuff. So... Since you, you, you bring up fire and, and materials, you know, we're talking about manufacturing, right, mm -hmm. Matt? Yes. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't want that kind of fire on, uh, on a sub or anywhere else. So <laughs> You probably definitely don't want a fire on a sub, right? No. no Wait, how, no. Do you, how do you put a fire out on a sub? You just open the hatch and <laughs> let it fill up? <laughs> let yeah. the you salt got, water. You got semen, takes care of everything. Semen floating everywhere. And <laughs> yeah, that, that would be pretty bad. That would be pretty bad. It's called an emergency blow. Uh, yeah. 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 A little semen and... Yeah. All right. We'll leave that alone. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, kind of uh, tell everyone again about uh, MLP and how you guys has found... How you founded it and why you founded it. and Because really what you guys are doing with the MLP group is passion, right? I see that in you guys is that now that... You've run a company. You've been in IT, Mac, your whole life. He'd be HR. <laughs> For, he hadn't been in IT. Or, you, you can tell yeah. by the IT problems. Yeah. Here. So the, I think that the cool thing is, is now that you guys are, you know, ha have all this experience, you want to pass it on and you've helped people do other acquisitions. I know when we were talking up at breakfast, Scott, you were, uh, worked for a company, you try to get him to do an acquisition or set up for an acquisition and he waited how many years and then when he finally was ready to sell it was kind of too late he lost yeah. millions of yeah. dollars probably right yeah I'm, I'm sure yeah actually i think he still owns the business maybe does he really yeah and and you know and i i think that that happens a lot um and i guess th this is what i was saying to mac and what what i see is that a lot of business owners, they have a passion for their business. Mm -hmm. And they start that business because they they love what they're doing. And mm -hmm. they, they make a difference. And, you know, and that's the cool thing about manufacturing is that, you know, you make a product and it's tangible. And you have it at the end of the day. 
um, I, I did some work for um, a, a while doing advocacy work, and there's nothing tangible about that. And so what, what happens is that you don't know how to measure it, but, but in manufacturing, we can measure things. It's, it's real. At the end of the day, you made X number of parts, you shipped this amount, you did A and B, and you, you can't see that's Italian in me. You know, the whole, you're, you're liable to get smacked with one of them. Um, and so, so what I love about manufacturing, and I used to say, you know, oh, it's the only thing I know how to do. Nobody would ever hire me if we didn't have manufacturing companies. And now I know that's not totally true. But the thing about manufacturing is that if somebody's not making something, nobody makes money. Mm-hmm. You don't need accountants. You don't need lawyers. You don't need HR people. You don't need any of that right. if there's not a product somewhere in it. Yep. And the fear is, and the reason that we started doing this, is there are trillions of dollars of manufacturing companies owned by older people, mm-hmm. Pri- primarily primarily older men. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of them are boomers. I mean, I've seen, I've met manufacturing owners that are, in their 70s, their 80s, even their 90s. Wow, yeah. And they they look at, well, I want to get out, but, I, you know, I never really thought about it, and so I never prepared for it, and I right. never did anything to get ready. And and that's really what we want to do, is mm-hmm. we, want, we want to come in and we want to help you so that you can leave and, and you can, you get what your business is worth, or maybe even more, when you, you move on, your employees get to stay employed. You know, they have a job. You, you have a legacy. You have something you want to leave behind. And, and it's to your family. It's to your community. It's to your employees. And if you don't do that, if you just shut the door and you have a fire sale, nobody wins. Right. Well, and I do. I, I think that it's bigger than the company at that point, right? Because one of the things that you brought up, it's it's probably less about the owner's family and more about all the employees' families. And that responsibility that I feel as an owner, you have to your employees. I mean, I know for, for us, my responsibility is when we have a law in business or law, Lol, 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 lol. <laughs> that my responsibility is to be uh, to be conservative enough in my decision making that I'm not laying people off a month here or two months there. That's my responsibility. And I think that my another responsibility long term is setting up the company to be sustainable. So when I'm gone, it's still running. Right. And the people still have a job and they're still able to, you know, they're not scrambling to go find something new. And, and I have seen that with, it was a company that I work with, uh, one of the owners died. They didn't have a succession plan. And there was this big turmoil and chaos for probably a month or, or a year or two because they ended up in a lawsuit and like, there was just nothing done. Thank God I had moved on. Um, but I, looking from the outside in, I'm like, oh, wow, that's, that's serious stuff right there. And, yeah, and it's. To take that a little further, it's not just the employees of the manufacturer, it's all the others in the community that Mm -hmm. support. The number is something like 1.8 people are employed in the community for every employee of the manufacturer. And you brought that up the last time that we talked, and I thought that that was an amazing statistic. The barbers, the grocery the you know housing yeah uh, utilities doctors lawyers yeah. you know all those things well and you look to the stories that you see about these small towns that had um they had a carpet company in, down in georgia and that carpet company went away and the, the town just almost vaporizes yeah look and, at cabela's yeah uh, in nebraska right oh okay. i mean that you look at that story Watch, watch that Netflix. It'll make you cringe. Well, and just in our own backyard, yeah. they, they have the story about um, down in Moraine. 
Now this is Fuyao came in and bought that plant and started doing glass. And it was a it was a project recently, and it's mm -hmm. on. I think it's on Netflix. Yes. But you see, when GM left that area, mm -hmm. how that just crushed the area. Yeah. And with and and you think about that for these large companies and these large manufacturers, mm -hmm. and, and and to them, you're no more than a number. You know, you, you hear things like, oh, GM's laying off 10,000 people, and it doesn't sound like, you know, okay, that's just a number for them. But you go to a small manufacturer that's owned by somebody who is in the community, they're tight in the community, mm -hmm. everybody knows them, you know, yep. hey, Mac, you know, how you doing? You go to the coffee shop, you go to the grocery store, wherever, and all of a sudden that business goes away? Yeah. Wow. I, I mean that is it, it's very destructive. You're not just a number. Yeah. You're a you're a person in the community. Yeah. And you should feel that. Yeah. And so so our objective is, and the reason that we got together is that we've got a bunch of us that feel like, gosh, we we've got a ton of experience. And if you look at the pictures of us, you can see there's a lot of gray hair. <laughs> we and we earned that rightfully I, I, by stressing out, but we can help people to transfer that business. We're not brokering you. Right. We, we don't want to come in and, and help you to sell your business. That's not it. We want to help you to understand what does it take to be ready to transfer? Because one thing that so many owners don't recognize is the problem with you selling your business is you. Mm -hmm. Almost inevitably. Yeah. Because you're, you're in the middle of it. You are the business. And if you don't separate yourself from it. Anybody who's looking to buy your business is going to say, well, the business doesn't exist without you in it. Right. So I need you. And you're going to say, well, I'm not going to sell you the business if I have to work in it. I may as well keep it. Right. So so I, I think what we want to do, and, and I'm, I now I'm dominating the conversation, Mac. You're doing great. Is, um, <laughs> you know, that, that we want to help those owners to understand what it takes for them to be able to step back and have something that moves on. Thus, the legacy partnership. It's mm -hmm. what you leave behind. It's about your legacy. This isn't, this isn't about anything other than how you leave your business to survive into the future. Right. What is... What is the biggest challenge that you guys are seeing right now with, with what you're doing? That, that everybody understands it. Nobody wants to do it. So it's the facing the reality, and we're not we're not totally sure. I, I mean, we've talked to a number of folks, and and we hear great feedback, and everybody understands there is a huge problem coming. Mm -hmm. If it's not here already, there's a huge problem coming. Um, but I don't think people yet have perceived the value of getting ready. Or, and this is this is probably where I think more more business owners are, is they're so entrenched in the battle for today that they're not thinking about what happens tomorrow. Right. Yeah, I, to me, it seems like it's more that. Um, I think a lot of them aren't even listening to the numbers. It's not really registering. It's kind of like, yeah, that's somebody else. That's not me? Yes, it's not me. Uh, it never, never will be me. I, I've heard, you know, these big dramas before about other things, and, and I just kept working, and we survived. We made it through. So this is another one of those things that will survive. I don't know that they really fully understand um, all the potential loopholes, barriers, you know, things that exist out there to them passing it on to somebody. I, you know, it's kind of like um, passing it on to a child. I think a lot of them may even think, um, my kid's going to turn around. Um, somebody's kid's going to turn around and they're going to want to have it. Uh, they don't, I mean, the, the statistics about those not success stories, what's the reverse, disaster stories, mm -hmm. where kids take over and they didn't really want it and they have no real clue about <clears throat> as to what's happening with it and so then it crashes. I 
there are so many things. I mean, we've had people talk to us about what's the difference between what you do in performance uh, consulting, right? Just helping you come in and, and become more lean and uh, set up a different system processes and, and on and on. And they don't realize all of the barriers that may exist to making a sale. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they may be thinking that, boom, you know, we got a contract, so what? You know, everybody's got contracts. Uh, we'll be able to do this. Uh, I'll deal with that when it comes. Yeah, the, ne- the next guy will still get to keep that contract, even if I pass away or I decide to leave the business to my kids. And, you know, Mac, as you were talking, it made me realize that, that what we're selling is a lot like life insurance. It, it's, it, or, or, you know, writing a will. Nobody wants to think about the end. Yes. Nobody wants to think about that period mm-hmm. when they're going to sell the business because that's not fun. Yeah. You, you know, you don't know what's past that, but there are all of these things that you need to know. You need to understand how much money do I need to be able to live on afterward in the way that I'm used to living? What contracts and what things have to be done so that the business is going to survive from a structure standpoint and governance and, you know, all of the legal things? What do I need to do to the operation so that I have people in place who operationally can make the business continue to operate? What about sales? If everybody knows me as the owner and I walk away, is anybody going to continue to buy from me? Right. You know, what, what about all of the, the cybersecurity and, and all of those things? If I have a business that is like right on the edge of being picked off, people are going to look at that. And, and so when somebody comes in to buy, you want somebody looking at your business with a buyer's mentality and helping you get it so that it looks right. I compare it to, because you and I have talked about building a house, mm-hmm. I, you know, I compare it a lot to selling your house. You know, when, when your house, when you're going to go sell your house, you go through it and you think about all the things that you have lived with for years. Yeah. You know, the switch that doesn't work that might set your house on fire or right. the rooms right. that hadn't been painted or the places where the kids had drawn on the walls and all of that kind we of stuff. We don't have any of that. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and so, and you come in and you have somebody look at it. Usually it's a realtor and they yep. say, you know... You could get a hundred thousand for your house the way it sits right now, but if you did A, B, and C, you could get a hundred and fifty for your house. That's the kind of thing we want to be able to do. Is we want to, we want to help them to be able right. to do that. Well, and and I do think that it, it it is interesting that you compare it to selling a home, right? Because we, you know, I I've bought and sold a, a couple and. My home right now will end up selling it in the next probably year or two, and we're we're doing the exact same thing. Like I'm way, you know, measuring. Okay, if I put new windows in and siding and da 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 da, like what is my return on my investment there? Because I'm a numbers nerd, right? So I have it in a spreadsheet. I'm like, if and then it's a gamble. Am I going to hit that mark selling it, or am I going to spend sixty grand and and make an extra thirty? Yeah. Right. What, if, what if nobody shows up? Right. Okay. I mean, look at all the condos that are being built in Columbus right now, right? And apartments. Yeah. And so, what if all the manufacturers don't do real well, and they start to lay off? And uh, what was that? Uh, Columbus twenty twenty, right? Tried to attract all those people in. Now they're leaving. You can't even sell your house. Yeah. Okay. It's not our current environment, thank God, yeah. but yeah, yeah, I mean, but you have... But the flip side yeah. of that is, Dustin, I mean, how much do you really know about right. how much value does putting this into my house right. have, it, it, as opposed to somebody who's got 30 years in real estate, oh, or somebody who's, sure. you know, having that opinion, yeah, having just somebody there, yeah. that, that's, that's what we bring to the yeah. table. Is, well, and yeah, we help you with that. Yeah, and I and I think that's awesome. In the companies that um, yesterday we we're, uh, I was supposed to do a podcast with a longtime friend of mine. We actually went to junior high together. Uh, Tate French, French Oil Mill in Pickle, Ohio. Tate. Yeah, you know Tate. I do know Tate. Really, that's awesome. Through uh, probably the 
Ohio Manufacturing Association or DRMA. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she, she's she very involved. Coffee. She's yeah. really involved in that. Yeah, and, she's and she's a sharp person. cookie. Yeah. And she's being groomed to take over CEO's seat. And, and they're one manufacturer that, I mean, they get it, you know, and it's multi-generation. They're a staple in our hometown. If, I mean, if that company would go away, it would be, it would be a black eye on our hometown. And they are doing the right things to make sure that they succeed for generations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's excited about it. And I, I made the mistake, I, you know, I was putting together questions and I'm like, how does it feel to be the first woman, you know, CEO leader of French oil? And she's like, oh, that's actually not true. You know, I, and I forget what she told me. She'll correct me. Uh, it was either her uh, great grandmother or grandmother was president at, at some point. I'm like, that's pretty damn cool. I mean, especially we look back in those generations where there's not a lot of women leaders back then. You know, right. and, it, and it's it's really cool, and they are they're an amazing company. I mean, they're I don't know if you've you've guys been to their facility, but I it's haven't. it's impressive, very impressive, yeah. And, and there's not a lot of companies out there like French Oil that are doing the things that you guys are bringing to the table. All you know, but it, it's very very helpful, and it's responsible. I think of that company. For any company to do that, if they want to succeed, you know, in the future, and I, you know, we we hear quite a bit just because we're in and out in and out of so many factories that customers that we deal with say we know that this company is on the brink of going, like the owner is retiring, and we don't know what their plan is, so we're trying to find a a second source because we aren't confident in this source. And, and I think that that's so important to, to your sales is that your, your customers have to have the feeling that your company is sustainable without you. Right. And, and if you don't, then you're going to start losing those customers and your business is going to be worth less yeah, if, you're, you're if just you don't. bleeding off value, yeah. aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and think about that. If you're coming into to buy a company and you find out that the three main customers all know that the owner was going to get out one way or the other, you know, what, what happens there? And right. you're going to go like, well, tell me how, tell me how solid those contracts are. Tell me how solid that business is with, with Mac and Dustin, you yeah. know, are, are they going to continue to buy from you? And a lot of times owners don't know that and they don't yeah. think about it. It's it, Again, it's about that, how do I survive today? How do I get through today? How do I, you know, yeah. what what's today's battle and they're not thinking about tomorrow? Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, no, 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 I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, and, and I think that, uh, that then some of that moves into the arena of talent. You know, what all do they have for talent? Mm-hmm. Where all does it exist? How far reaching is the town? And are, is the owner continually evaluating that? You know, how many salespeople do I have? And which ones are performing and which ones really aren't? Mm-hmm. And if this one is the only one that's performing, why is it that I'm not doing anything about the other ones? Okay, we're surviving. These guys are making it happen, mm-hmm. right? And you... To me, you, you constantly need to be evaluating all the players, especially when you're talking about small manufacturing, all the players you have within that organization and what kind of impact are they having on the whole, mm-hmm. on the whole today and on the whole in the future. And are they all evaluating that at the same time? And I also, I mean, I heard the... the Something you said about fun. Uh, you were talking about the the company in Piqua, mm-hmm. right? They should be looking at how do we constantly make it fun? You know, how do we constantly make this fun, exciting for all the people in here? And if we have somebody that's not doing that, maybe we should do something about it. Oh, Let's sure. Give them a chance. Let's work with them. But I think that in some of those organizations, they don't. Oh well, that's just Mac. And he'll always be the same. 
you know. And, <laughs> do you, yeah. Do you think that's part of the problem with um, the next generation wanting to own manufacturing companies? Um, you know, I, I think you had said earlier that that manufacturing is not sexy, and and you know, and I hear that all the time. And uh, you know, as a as a manufacturing nerd, I just don't buy that. When I was a kid, what we did on vacation, we went on manufacturing plant tours. My <laughs> my dad my dad owned a trucking company. But we went on I mean we went through Kellogg's and this was back in the day when you could go through the real factory. You know, not not some fake right. made up thing that you're right. allowed to go through. You know, we went through Kellogg's, we went through Hershey's, we went through all of these places that make things. Why don't kids think this is sexy? Why don't they want to buy these businesses? Yeah, I, I don't know that they don't. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Like one of my, one of my big hairy audacious goals, right? And then I always think, ten years down the road, is I want to buy companies. I mean, that's one of the things that, like, I want to learn as much as I can and think at some point, like, I, kind of figure out, okay, I'm good enough that I can turn a company around and eventually that's what I like that's what I really aspire that's my big hairy audacious goal is that I want to buy companies and help turn them around and possibly resell them or put you know keep it in my portfolio um, but I don't know you know I, a lot of the companies that I'm that I work with they are transitioning into the next generation just like French oil, you know, Tate's my age. We, she loves, she absolutely has a passion for it. Next generation's taking over. And there's, there's tons of stories like that. Uh, Pick with steel. They're, they're a rigging company, big riggers. Uh, they're, you know, the owners now and who's taking over the 13, 14 years older than me, really good friends with my aunt and uncle. And, you know, I know them just because I grew up with them and things, but they're taking it over, you know, and they're, they're younger owners. So I don't know that it's necessarily that people, younger people don't want to buy or be involved in manufacturing. Uh, and then we go to another spectrum. My, my cousin, she works at Honda. She had a choice to make. I think we talked about this. Um, she had a choice to make. She went to BG, hated BG you know, Bowling Green University just wasn't for her, right? Um, and she works at Honda now on the on the floor and her and her her and her fiance, you know, I don't know how much they make, but they're they're twenty two and they own a home and have two dogs and, you know, new vehicles and maybe not new, but newer. And they have an amazing life. And and I think that now there is a shift in our in our society where let people are starting to understand. Well, if I go to college, I'm going to rack up a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars, and come out and possibly not have a job, or I can go work at a Honda and make seventy or whatever. I don't. I have no idea what they make, but it, you know, if they're a welder or whatever, they could they can make really good money. They have zero debt because Honda's going to pay for it. So so let's go back to where you were talking about wanting to buy companies. Okay. We're gonna make this about you now. Right. This, thanks. This, this, this is a new kind of podcast. You know, now now we're the hosts and, and you're the guy. Oh um, no, this is gonna be yeah, fun. This is isn't this fun? Um I wouldn't need to, another beer. Tell us tell us <laughs> what does that look like? You know, this is this is the thing that owners don't get. Is there somebody like you out there looking to buy them? Are you only looking to buy distressed companies? I've only ever bought distressed everything, vehicles, homes, like, because I think that that's where the true money is, right? So if, who, who loses on that? Um, or who gains? Well, you gain. Well, sure. Yeah. What about the guy who owns the business? Yeah. Or owns the car? I mean, if right. he'd have fixed it up, he'd so, have sold it to somebody who was paying for exactly. it. Exactly. So I, I think that if, if somebody wants to buy a turnkey, right, they want to buy a franchise, they don't want to work in the franchise, or most people don't. They don't. They don't buy a, uh, a Chick Fil A to sling chicken. They buy it and they want it to be turnkey. Um, and I think that there's people out there that want to buy manufacturing companies that are turnkey. They buy it. There's a president in place or a general manager. 
there's a sales manager, there's HR, there's, you know, all the processes are all, all lined out. And that's what you guys bring to the table where, you know, you can set that company up. So it, it, it's, it's turnkey for the next owner. Um, for me, I think it'd be a lot of fun to, you know, the, the owner that just says, I don't have it in me and I just want to sell it. I don't, I don't care about turning it around. I think for me, it would be a lot of fun. Just me personally would be a lot of fun to buy a company like that, that the ownership has just said, I, I just don't have the energy to get it to turnkey. And then for me, it would be a ton of fun to go in and buy it, do what you guys are doing. Like you would be my consultant, right? You come in and, and help turn it around. And then you have that turnkey company and then you either sell it or, or it just it sits in your portfolio and chugs away and, and you have all the right people in place. Yeah. And that's, that's really what it is, right? Yeah. Mac, we're, we're trying to put the value back into yeah. the business. Oh, absolutely. He brings up uh, a question. And I, and I think that um, there's all kinds of people out there that are looking for buying a business. Some people will just say, hey, I want to be my own boss. I want to own a business. And so they're looking for something like what we're going to do is we're going to go in and uh, help this business to be more successful in the future, work out some of the bugs that would keep it from even being sold, you know, some of the legal things that Claudia deals with. And they'll say, yeah, that's what I want. This, this thing is up and it's moving pretty good. It's, the, the trends are moving upward. And so now if I get somebody else to, that's really good at some of these different functions, I can take that and make it go forever. Mm -hmm. okay. So that's kind of like buying a job. Yes. They, they yes. want to work in the business. They want it to be there. That's where their job is. That's where their income will be. And they're really committed to that. Yes, and what I hear from Dustin is a little bit different. Now, he doesn't want uh, some of the legal problems. He doesn't want to have to deal with... I don't want any legal problems. Yeah, okay. <laughs> with zero. Um, <laughs> but if he looks at it and sees some production problems, sees an opportunity for new technology, maybe. Yeah, culture. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. Culture. If I replace this person, I know somebody that, oh, they'd be great in this spot, and man, we could take it and then really run with it. He doesn't want it to be fixed. He wants to he be wants a TV star. He wants to be manufacturing yeah. flippers. Yeah, I'm yes. pretty low-key yeah. <laughs> outside of this. But, but I mean, isn't that true? Yeah. I mean, you, yeah. you don't want to go in steady state. You right. So, so that's the other half, though, of, of the, the clientele that we're looking for. Yes. Is we're looking for the guys like Dustin who say, hey... I want to buy this business. It has the opportunity to be something. I see it as a bargain. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to bring you guys in to square it up for me. And then I'm either going to keep it in my portfolio or I'm going to flip it at some point to somebody mm -hmm. who wants a nice investment. And yeah. so, so that's the other, you're right. That's the other half of the people that we're looking for. We're looking for those who, who are the owners. And ideally, we want to get to them first. Yeah. Because we want to preserve, you know, again, it goes back to preserving that legacy. But if they can't, if they aren't interested in that, they're ready to fire, sell, they're ready to move on, then we're looking for the guys like you who want to pick it up because, again, it's about preserving manufacturing. Yeah. You know, we, we don't want that manufacturing to go away. Yeah, and I, and I think that... Uh... Are we all going to take a pee break, Mac? <laughs> I had to call you out. Go pee. It's fun. <laughs> we'll talk about you. Hey, you're hey we, had, we had to have fun, right? Yeah. I, I, we're, we're not one of those podcasts that's dry, so we're going we're gonna to have well, fun with it. Yeah, literally not. We're, not. we're not in a dry county, and it's not dry. It is not dry, for sure. This is good. Yeah. So I, I think that it is a very interesting thing that you guys are doing to me on a lot of different levels. And I and I've seen companies that uh, there was a a die casting company in Chicago. I think I may have talked about this or or that touched lunch. on it, um, but they were a die casting company, great facility. They called us to to represent them. Drove up to Chicago, met with the owner, and the, probably sixty percent of everything was shut down. And I get in there and I'm like, oh, this is interesting. 
immediately I, I'm like, what is going on here? So the engineer and the buyer, they tell me that GM had pulled $50 million of sales out and sent it to Mexico. Because? Just because of cost savings or perceived cost savings. And the owner was scrambling to figure out how to replace that capacity that, you know, fill up that $50 million. And, uh, you know, they were very interested. I sent them over a contract. They wanted, you know, we had multiple opportunities that we were working on for die casting. Um, wasn't totally a $50 million spend, but it was, it was probably a 20 to $25 million spend. And, uh, they just really drugged their feet on, on signing our agreement and come to find out the owner just woke up one morning. It was just like, F it. I'm out. Um, they tried to sell. Couldn't like, as soon as they were trying, putting the deal together, GM pulled everything out. The one buyer said, eh, we're not interested in, uh, in buying anymore. And he literally just said, I don't have the energy for this anymore. I'm closing the doors. And that that is the absolute worst outcome oh, it's of awful. the whole thing because yeah. it's it's lose 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 yeah. your your community loses your employees lose yeah. you lose and that's what we're trying to avoid yeah. is that we bring in you know I love to use this three hundred plus years of experience in right. every single aspect of the business right and I have half of that. <laughs> That's right. It, you know, it's not just the operations. It's what makes us different. We're not coming in and saying, let us look at operationally and production-wise what you do. Right. And let's throw out some improvements. We're looking at operations, sales, marketing, yep. you know, HR, legal, compliance, um, all the way down through, including, uh, you know, going to your computers and do you have a backup disaster plan for your computers? It, it That's the stuff that people look at when they're buying their business. They don't want to buy a pig and a poke and, and hope that right. things aren't going to go bad. Well, and I and I do think it's, it's interesting how you guys are structured because you do have one person that is that is their, their gig, right? AJ is, he is all about protecting IP and fraud and and um cyber security right? right right and then you have an accountant on staff which mac loves accounting um and but it's because he was you, a math major but yeah <laughs> how did that work out but the thing that i find interesting about you guys what i was saying is you have one person that has a niche and they specify in that issue. So if you if you have a client that, you know, their their cybersecurity is a mess, they have they don't have any sales and marketing, their HR, their recruiting and their training and their development is a wreck. You know, you bring that to the table and maybe you don't maybe their maybe their accounting is is solid and they don't need any issue, you know, there's nothing there to fix. So you don't bring in the accountant and right. those forensic right. people, but you, you have, I mean, how many people do you guys have on your team now? It's like nine, nine, nine of us. So I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you know what each, like each person has their specialty, right? Right. So yes. can you run through like from accounting down to whatever? Well, what, before we do that, I want to add something here because we do have it's individuals he's a math major he that, to add. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna make one and one equal three. Okay. We need a so, spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah. Um, is we do have individuals that specialize, focus, uh, have education, experience, whatever in specific arenas. However, I think it's even more than that because each one of those has other arenas that they've touched on. If you look at a business. Everything that that business does is integrated, okay? What operations does impacts accounting, impacts oh, for sure. HR, talent yeah. management. Obviously, what talent management does can mess with everybody, mm -hmm. all right? And so when 
you look at what we bring to the table is people that specialize in all these areas as opposed to sometimes you'll find that they find somebody that has a big broad picture but doesn't specialize so the specialization works mm -hmm. but at the same time each individual person that's evaluating the operations can say something to the lawyer hey claudia i think you need to pay attention to this because here's something that i heard here's something i saw and that adds another dimension to it. That oh, for sure. can make a huge difference yeah. in the whole assessment. It's not nine silos. No. It, it's it's yeah. nine people that have you know very deep experience in a certain aspect of the business, but very broad experience right. in the whole business. Well, and that's hugely important. Even, you know, you get into, I don't care what company it is, production, sales, always clash, right? I don't care if you're building homes or, oh. or making something. Yeah. And once you get production and sales working together as a team in accounting, you you understand, you know, what your cost accounting is and, and then the sales understands, okay, well, this is why we're giving a price increase because we didn't make any money. And if you're transparent with your numbers and the cost accounting, then sales isn't pissed off because they're they don't understand the price increase. Production understands that everything that they do, and if they don't scan on and off jobs correctly, it affects the customer. And, you know, I, I think that is culture. And if everyone understands, you know, what's going on in all faucets of the business, like you guys have, where there's so much crossover, then it, it just creates more cohesiveness. Yeah, the other thing is, is I just asked the stupid question, right? I'm HR, I asked the stupid question of right. operations. Now, now, if operations is listening, that's a good thing. If operations isn't listening, it was just a stupid question. Right. All right? Right. If operations is listening, sometimes the stupid questions from the other people, because we act as a team, you listen and you go, huh, that's still a stupid question, but you made me think of this. Yeah, and, and I have to tell you, I mean, Mac, you're bringing up a good point that... that it's that cross-functional thing that you can't get as an owner. If you're the owner of a small business that's a you know, 30 or $50 million business or even less than that, I mean, you are the person. Mm -hmm. you're, you're the one who's at the top. You have no peers. You have nobody to bounce things off of. And you're the one who's expected to know everything. Mm-hmm. And typically, you couldn't get the breadth of experience that you'd get with the MLP group. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that makes this different. Um, I, I had told Mac, you know, I, I had socialized this idea uh -oh. for a number of years. <laughs> and, and if it's just me, although I've run an entire business and I, I've operated it, I'm not an accountant. Mm -hmm. I'm not an HR manager. I'm not a legal expert. I'm not an IT person. Right. I'm really, at the heart of it, I'm really an ops guy. Well, now I can draw on all of these people that have this other experience, and we bring something to you that you can't get somewhere else. Right. Well, and I think as, a, as an owner, you understand, well, I think there are some out there that are so narcissistic that they think that they know everything. But I mean, that's not looking what? at you, Scott. Uh, <laughs> but I think that that's something that, as a good leader, that you have to understand is okay. Really, really weak in this department. Let's hire that. Yeah. You know, and I think that you know, owners need to hire themselves out of a out of a job. And I I was sitting on a panel one time, and and I forget what the company was, but the. The guy took it, when he took it over from his dad, very successful story. I think they were a $10 million company, and he has grown it to 100 plus million. Wow. Very successful story. And one of the things that he said is, my job is to hire myself out of a job every single day. That's what I'm looking at doing. And he goes, now, he goes, I show up to meetings because I feel like I have a responsibility, but I add no value to the meeting because I've hired such wonderful people that they have all the issues figured out. And if it gets down to, you know, a decision to be made that 
nobody feels comfortable with. He's like, that's where I earn my money, I guess, is because right. I'm, you know, I'm the tiebreaker right. at that point. But he's like, my job is to hire myself out of a, out of a job. And I, that always stuck with me, you know, and, and I think that, you know, he's got it right. Yeah. I mean, if you, yeah. if you can really let go and let people, you know, you're going to fail as a, as a person, I think that people learn more from failures than, than they do from successes. And I think that those that say that they have never failed have failed just with that mindset Unless that they just don't look at things as a failure. Maybe it's a mindset that, okay, I messed this up, but it's not a failure. I learned from it. That's a success. Right. You know, I think that there's that too. But I, I think that if you can let go and let somebody else fail in front of you and not get jacked up about it, then you're, you're building, you know, you are building that. And that's been hard for me personally. Because like I see somebody do something and I'm like, oh God, this is going to end in a disaster. And if it's not that big of a disaster, I just, I've learned, I've just let it happen. That's an interesting scenario. I like it. Um, and I think that one of the things that can happen, you know, if you, that position of hiring me uh, to put myself out of a job, that person never really is in the position to never really be out of a job. Okay. Because if you look at that person, that person becomes the core of putting this together and watching it. Mm-hmm. And now it gets really fun. He can keep, he, she can keep watching this and say, oh, wow, you know what else we could do? Hey, what would you guys think of this? Yeah. You know, um, and, and it could get really creative. Oh, for sure. And it's at, you know, the word, oh, maybe we should have a, a subdivision or whatever it is. Not, that's a housing area. Yeah. Okay. Um, a <laughs> subsidiary. There we go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, maybe a housing. Um, but you could create a culture that could be really creative. And, and I think that we are potentially going into another stage or, you know, another industry age, whatever it is, you know, 4.0, 5.0, whatever, I, I get lost on those things. But I think the phones are 5.0, but I think it's okay. industry 4.0. Okay. Um, Five, and, 5G. Yeah, five, I think it's 5G on the phones. Okay. Um, and if, you know, you, you talk to kids in the younger generation, well, at least younger than me, well, that's everybody. Yeah, yeah right. Um, <laughs> we're, we're, talking, we're talking about Dustin, kids. Yeah. <laughs> that, you're going into a great generation. I mean, you're in a great generation. You're going into a great phase of manufacturing mm-hmm. where what's the next IT tool that will come out? What else could we create? Yeah. What could we do with chemistry today that we couldn't do yesterday yeah. because of the data we now have from these different IT tools? And so, yeah, I'm a part of the supply chain for Honda, all right? And we create blinkers. Mm-hmm. Well, what if we could do something different with that blinker such yeah. that it does this when you blink? Um, Blinkers are something you put on a horse, Mac. You're you're showing your age, buddy. (laughs) Right. Well, you guys get me. Yeah. There's, uh, to me, the end is not even close. Oh, God, no. You could do all kinds of different things, even if you're in what's perceived as a a, a tight supply chain. Yeah. Right? Gosh, gosh, you're bringing up, you know, just think about it. What a cool time to live in. Oh, for sure. As as the millennial and X generation and, and those beyond, all of us old geezers, we're getting out of it. You know? And 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 so you're gonna either you're gonna have to reinvent how to make this stuff, or you're gonna have to buy our businesses and use that to make even more stuff. You know, and, and that's what we're we're really intent on is how does that wealth transfer from the generation of boomers mm-hmm. to those next generation as owners and what's the value of it when it transfers? I mean, do we do we transfer you a shell of the company that we built mm-hmm. or do we 
build it up and we transfer you a robust organization that you can pick up and you can take it into the next generation and be even more successful with it. Yeah. I mean, we, we'd like nothing more than to see the United States just booming with manufacturing companies. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think that we're on our way there. And I said this, you know, back when we had a big reshoring. And reshoring is an old term, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we've been talking about reshoring since we offshored. Right. And, and I think that over the last four years, we have actually have seen companies actually reshore because of the tariffs and the things that made it not so attractive to go overseas. And we, we do a fair amount overseas as a company, but it's way, way, way different. And over the next four years, depending on you know what happens in this election that we don't even know what's going on, you know, that could shift again. You know, and and I think that manufacturing specifically COVID, COVID's a horrible thing, but I think if you make lemonade out of the lemons that we were dealt, the one thing that it showed us is we really need manufacturing here. And we need to shorten those supply chains. Yeah. Because when you shut down the border between the country that makes all the stuff you need yeah. and the country that needs it, yeah. you're not going to get it. Well, and they're in control. Right. We're, we're no longer in control of our own destiny, and people are, could potentially die because you can't get the right stuff. Yeah. Whatever that stuff is, if it's a respirator, because 90% of it is made overseas, you're, you're in a bad, bad position. And, you know, I like the idea of, uh, you know, global trade. Mm-hmm. And I think that it makes everything competitive. Um, but I also like the, the idea of us being sustainable as a country. You know, if you live in a homestead, you don't need to rely on your neighbor for a cow. You should have your own cow, you know. Right. And, and I think that as a country... We need to be able to make everything here that we we need. You know, maybe we can't, you know, we don't have the right uh, mind to mine the glass for the iPhone, and that's only done in a certain country. We don't need an iPhone. Like, I, I think that it makes our lives easier. And I think, I mean, we we have tons of, of uh, IT stuff and all the shit that makes our lives more fun and easier. But do we need it, or could we get away with a flip phone if we had to? Or the phone that you and I haven't even seen yet. Right. Right? Yeah. And it comes from a different chemical that's created, right? right? A different mix of raw materials and synthetic materials and how they're combined. I mean, that's where you see what's happening in all these different, you know, research and engineering and and all yeah. those different things, the, the capabilities just keep expanding. And what we perceive today to be the answer, because of something that happens, the COVID virus, all of a sudden we discover another thing. You know, I mean, I, the COVID virus, and I guess this is what you were saying earlier, is that this COVID virus has stirred up a lot of, I mean, I'm sad that well, we're somewhere around 240,000, but... There's things that have happened because of that, like the reshoring. I think that became a yeah. higher priority mm-hmm. because of the supply chains, right? The materials that aren't here, that should be here, we couldn't get a hold of. Now we're going to bring that over here. Yep. You know, some of it, probably not as much as you and I would like to see. But um, I just, yeah, I'm sorry. I get, I get really, I, manufacturing, you know, you talked about passion. Man, everything you see out there, everything you use day in and day out yeah. is manufactured. And, and with all the changes in technology, there are so many opportunities. And some of it maybe bring in the kids that never thought about going into manufacturing because they're going to ask those stupid questions. They're going to come up with those ideas, right, that's going to suddenly create a new product. Yeah. And some of the businesses need that. That business that you talked about where the owner said, keep replacing myself, that's a great place for one of those mm-hmm. to go. It might be a great place for one of them to go is the owner that just said, 
I'm just tired of this. Yeah. I don't care. I just want to go away, you know, etc. Yeah. The ones that actually worry me the most are the ones that are intentionally draining the corporation. Yeah. You know, financially draining it just slowly to where and not putting anything back into it. I've but, worked at that place. I mean, <laughs> you want it, you want to buy that place. Yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's it to, yeah, yeah, I mean before, it, it literally it Yeah, their their mentality was run it until it can't run anymore. They hadn't bought a new machine in decades. Decades. And, and you know, and it it, was, and, although I have to tell you, I don't have a problem with that if 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 that's their stated goal and everybody around them understands it. But I have to tell you, as an employee, if I understood that that was your stated goal, I'd be bailing out on you really fast. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. And and so, you know, I think for us as a group, our stated goal and our objective is we want that business to survive. Right. We want yes. that we want that legacy to go on. Yeah. We want that selling in the United States, selling across the world, making it here, employing people here, paying taxes here. Yeah. We love paying taxes. We we want to <laughs> pay taxes. I mean, you know, but you, you got to make money to pay taxes. <laughs> well, I mean in the in the end, the only way you're paying taxes is if you're making money. Yeah. And and so in the end as a business, we want to pay some. Yeah. No, in in that, you don't think so, Mac. I'm sorry. Could you you say that again? Mac wanted to yes. pay some taxes. We want to pay taxes. Yeah. Yes. Well, no, I, know, I think we need to be making money, and and we want to be successful as businesses, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. This. Uh, I'm sorry. My head's going all over the place. Uh, that whole taxes is, thing just freaked you out, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. I mean, if, if you're earning more money, you're paying more taxes. Right? That's okay. So, um, that's a good thing. Uh, shoot. Uh, when we were talking about the, the, the person who just wants to drain it, okay, this is where I, you know, I wish organizations could hear what it is we're talking about and pass it on. Because if, if they're just milking it, slowly milking it, we could help them to put in, you know, put them into a position where somebody else, you're tired, get out. Mm -hmm. Go, you know, like that thing yeah. you were talking You can make some take. value in that business. Yes, we could make some value in that business, which means they would get even more. Right. All right? And I get the fact that you're tired, but look for something like what we're offering so that you make more and the community makes more. Yeah. Right. Cer Everybody certainly, the wins. little bit of money that they would pay to an organization like the MLP group oh, yeah. would I mean, would pay off in spades, and they'd move on that much quicker to that beach, to their beach house, to golf on every day of the week or whatever it is that they want to do, and that's really the objective. Right. Yeah, because I mean, one of the things we've talked about is to where it's not just we do the evaluation and give you a plan, but you don't have to come back. You could stay away, still own it, right? And we would look for somebody to run it before it's sold. Just because it's yours, you don't have to be there day in and day out dealing with the stuff that you're tired of. We yeah. find somebody who can operate it under the new plans to make it worth more mm -hmm. for you, for the family, or for the community, for the next buyer. And I think that, that we're saying we can be as light touch or as heavy touch as you want. Yeah, right. I mean, if, if you just want to say, you know, I, I'm not, I, I don't have the stomach for it anymore. Can you help this business to survive and get it ready so that a broker will take it and sell it or whatever? Great. Um, the flip side of that is, you know, hey, I, I want my business in five years to be really knockout, ready to go, worth more. How can you help me to get there? And how can you help me to be ready? What What does it take so that the day I decide to pull the plug, my business is ready for me to walk away and it all survives? Right. Yeah. You know, that that next guy, unfortunately, that Dustin McMillan, that he, he doesn't make big <laughs> bucks by flipping my business. Right. You know, he comes in and he, he grabs something that's highly successful and he right. can take it to that next level. Yeah. 
That's that's what it's about. No, I I think it's great, and I and I I I do. I and the people that are listening that have comments and want to hear more, we'd love to hear questions, right? I think questions yeah. and and things are are very encouraged, uh, and we always ask for questions. So, info at mfgmonkey.com, Email us, and I'll get the questions over to you guys. Last time you kind of you don't want to give away your personal cell phone number now, do you? I, I'd give it away, but we're really <laughs> close to so the mlpgroup.com. You are. We That's, are really yes. close to the mlpgroup.com, Good. and. Within a couple of weeks, they'll be able to just go out and hit the mlpgroup.com. And, and, awesome. You know, they'll get some information about us and, and a way to connect with us and the whole deal. Good. But between now and then, we'll, we'll let you be our go-between. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate it. I, I really enjoy having you guys on. I'm, I'm sure we'll do it again. Thank you. Next time, Thank we'll you. be knocking it dead. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll have a couple of clients to sell to you. Well, and the next time, maybe I won't have so many issues. So I, I don't know. It, it's Friday the thirteenth, my friend. It is Friday the thirteenth. That is that is very true. Now we'll just blame it on that. There you go. So, That'll but, work, guys. Thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Oh, All right. Thank you for making this available. Yeah. Cheers. Great. Appreciate it. Yes.